Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. There's a show on TV, I haven't seen it lately, but we used to watch it all the time called Undercover Boss. Are you familiar with that? And it was where the CEO or a high executive within the company would disguise themselves, and sometimes not very well. Uh, but they would disguise themselves, and they would go down, and uh, let's just say it was manufacturing. They would go down where they made the parts, and they would meet some of the people that would probably never make it to the higher offices. Um, but they wanted to know what was going on down there. And one of the neat things about that is, is they would have real human stories. You know, a guy that would, you know, walk to work because he didn't have a car. And then at the end, the boss, you know, buys him a car and all of this. And it's just a, it's a really neat, a really neat show and have enjoyed that. It always touches the heartstrings, you know. Well, what I want to talk to you about today is something uh, even more important than just the, the boss coming down to the warehouse, and it's God coming down to us, okay? So here's your three-point sermon. You can use this sometime for no charge. Um, I have pastor friends, I probably told you this, I text them on Saturday nights and tell them if they need a sermon for Sunday morning, it's $19.99. If they wait till Sunday morning, it's $45.99. And so this one I'm going to give to you free. Here it is. Number one, Jesus is not like us. Jesus, number two, Jesus became like us. And number three, Jesus welcomes us. So he's not like us. He became like us. And he welcomes us. Does God, the creator of the universe, that spoke everything into existence, that remains almighty, without sin, without any uh, imperfection, how can this God understand what we go through? And does he understand what we go through? When we pray to him, is he just a God that's a deity in the sky and doesn't care about what he created anymore? Is God able, because of our weaknesses and our sin and things that have happened in our life, is he able at all to relate to what we go through? If there is a God that we pray to that doesn't understand us, or if, let me put it this way, if you believe that there's a God in heaven, but you're not so sure he understands what you're going through, then I want to present to you the God of Scripture. And I want to present to you uh, Jesus, who is a friend that has been so uh, beautifully uh, presented to us today. But let's begin with this idea that Jesus is not like me. And when I say me, I want you to say me in, in us, okay? But I liked how the phrasing came out with me uh, better. Jesus is not like me. Jesus is, according to Revelation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus created all things in John 1.3. At the very beginning of John's gospel, through him all things were made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. To the Gentile mind, Jesus is the Logos. He is the one that they had been looking for that, that in their minds it would be more of a concept. But in actuality, the Logos is a person. The one that created, sustains, and holds everything together is Jesus. He's certainly not like us. He created out of nothing. We can create something, let's say a craft or whatever, but we have to have the supplies. We can't create something out of nothing. Jesus 
did, and can. Jesus sustains, he holds it all together in Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and all things hold together in him. What holds the universe together? It's, it's Jesus. What's the latest telescope that has gone out there? Not Hubble, better than Hubble. Webb. The Webb telescope. Is that what it's called, a telescope? I'm sorry, my mind is... Yeah, the Webb Telescope has taken pictures of things that are unbelievable. I can't even wrap my head around it because, you know, the stars that we see could already be dead. So the closer you would get to them, they wouldn't be there. Okay, so don't, don't think on that too much, okay? Because the light, they're so far away and the light speed, the light is still getting to us, but it could have already burned out. So I don't know if this is true, but, you know, they're going so far into outer space that it's just mind-boggling. It's beyond what I can comprehend. But what I can understand is that there is a creator, and there is a sustainer, and his name is Jesus. I don't understand it, but I know that it's true. Jesus is the one that holds everything together. Jesus is the ultimate authority. He said after he died and rose again and before he ascended back into heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is no higher authority than Jesus. Jesus is God in human flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. He took on flesh and blood. And again, Colossians says, for in Christ, the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Okay, none of us would say we are God. Okay, we want to be God, okay, but that's a story for another time. But none of us would say that we are God. But Jesus is God, fully God. How can God understand what we go through on October 30th of 2022? He's not like us, but here's how he can. He became like us. That's the glory of the incarnation. That's the glory of Christmas. That this God that is not like us became like us because he loves us. Jesus wasn't born to royalty. Jesus was born in a barn. Jesus wasn't born to wealthy parents. He was born to very poor parents. Jesus wasn't born uh, as, or didn't come to earth as a fully functioning adult. He came as a helpless baby, just like we all entered the world, dependent on others to care for us. Now, again, don't miss this fact that this is God willingly humbling himself because of his great love for us. Hebrews 2.14 says, Because God's children are human beings made with flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Why? Because we're flesh and blood, Jesus became flesh and blood. For only as a human could he die. See? As a representative of us. Only as a human, okay? And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, which he did, who had the power of death. Jesus became like us. Not only did he become like us in that he was born in a baby, he faced the normal challenges of this life. Jesus grew up as a, a child, a toddler, uh, a teenager. Imagine a teenager that never talked back 
to his parents. Wow, that was Jesus. Okay? Jesus worked. We, whether he was a carpenter, recent thought is maybe he was a stone mason. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter. If we needed to know, God would have told us. It doesn't change the salvation story, but he worked. Probably most believe that his father passed away because we never hear of his earthly father, Joseph, again. And so he became the, 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 the man of the house that cared for his mother and cared for the other children. He worked, he cared for his family, and he faced all the experiences of life in this world. Now, this is where it's going to get a little heavy, uh, a little, little deeper here. I won't share any stealer stories or anything in the midst of this because it's a little heavy. And even as I was preparing it, I thought, wow, this is pretty, pretty heavy stuff here. Um, but I want to show you from what we know of Jesus' life that he experienced all of the things that we experience in this broken world. And it goes deeper than just hunger and a need to sleep. It goes to the emotions and sometimes the depths of who we are. That the worst humanity could do to us, they did to him. Okay? So some of the words I'm going to use, they're not curse words, but they're difficult words. They're, they're words that even when you mention them, they have an emotional impact on them. So just stay with me as we walk through this, as I show you that Jesus gets you. That's our promise for today. He gets you. He understands you. He understands what you're facing. He understands what you're going through. That's how great a God he is. He's so great that he didn't have to stay in heaven, that he could come to earth and die as fully God and fully man. That's how great Jesus is. First of all, he was dependent on others. Have you ever felt helpless in your life? Have you ever felt like you just weren't going to make it through? That you weren't going to make it? That you were helpless? He was tempted by the devil. I tried to do this somewhat chronologically, but this all came more from as I thought of it, I wrote it down. Okay, so someone smarter than me probably has it structured better than me, but this is how it came, came to me. He was tempted by the devil himself. Sometimes we think the devil is tempting us. And yes, temptation comes from the devil, but it's not the devil himself. Okay? Uh, even the demon said, you know, Paul we know, Jesus we know, I'm not sure who you are. I, I think I'm more along, I'm not sure who you are. Okay? Uh, that's the devil. Now he has his, his demons and things. I'm not saying that uh, uh, oppression and evil is not a result of the devil, but him being a created being is only in one place at one time. So if he's working in one place, which you would think wouldn't be in the highest power places on earth, then he's not where you're at. Okay? And I say that to say that doesn't mean spiritual warfare is not real. It totally is. I'm just saying it's probably not the devil himself. Okay? But Jesus was tempted by the devil himself. Okay? Who Jesus knew. Why did Jesus know him? Because he created him. But Satan wandered the earth in a way that Jesus wasn't able to because he took on flesh and blood. Do you see that? So Satan himself, the devil himself, comes to Jesus and tempts him. And he tempts him the same way that he did Adam and Eve. And the same way he tempts us. 
There's only three ways that the devil tempts us. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three areas, and everything kind of revolves around that. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and uh, pride of life. And he did that in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and so on. I'm not going to preach that whole thing. But if you've not heard the terms lust of the eyes, it means this, I want that. Lust of the flesh says, I need that. And pride of life says, I deserve that. See? Be careful when you say, I deserve that. Careful. I try not to say that. Because what I really deserve is uh, eternal punishment. Because <laughs> I'm a wicked, miserable sinner apart from Jesus Christ. And so whatever blessings we have, you don't deserve. It's the grace of God. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. But when you have this lust of the eyes, and we're surrounded by that. Surrounded by advertisements and and every way imaginable, more now than ever, bombarded by it. Now, if you're on your smartphone, uh, as I am, I set it down when I preach, but I have it right next to me, uh, and, and you've ever spoken something, like talking in conversation, Dora and I will be sitting next to each other, and we'll be talking about, uh, I'll say cars, I don't know, we're not talking about cars, I, I don't know, we're talking about cars, and what shows up on my Facebook shortly after that? Yeah, it's kind of freaky, isn't it? Kind of freaky. We have an Alexa machine, and sometimes I talk to Uncle Joe Biden. Uncle Joe, you listening, Uncle Joe, when Donald was the president? Donald, you listening? Because I think somebody's listening. We're bombarded by advertisement. Can I say something else that's not very nice, but I'm going to say it because it's Pastor Appreciation Day. People are like, oh, I'm afraid the government's going to get my information. Uh, believe me when I tell you, uh, it's all too late for that. And I don't worry about it because there's nothing I can do about it. I'm waiting for the Christ, not the Antichrist. And uh, whatever's left behind, the Antichrist can have it. Uh, the Christ is going to come and save me and set me free from this broken world. He's the one I'm looking for. Lust of the eyes, I want that. That's what advertisement does. I want that. But then the more we focus on it, we, it falls into the lust of the flesh. I need that. Do you? Now, I like nice stuff too. Don't get me wrong. I've got this new thing with shoes. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I accidentally walked through a department store and some spirit came over me. <laughs> but I'm really enjoying shoes lately. My niece Maria lives with us, and her and Dora often talk about uh, things I wouldn't talk about, like, like purses. But I think they call them bags now. That a purse is a different type of thing. I have learned the difference between a clutch, which is a small type of a thing, and a, and a something that goes around like this that it ends up here. What is it? Crossbody. Crossbody. And then a, a bag. And I'm learning these different brands of things. And it's been, I've been inundated. Soon as I walk in the house, now I'm exaggerating. So I'm watching, I'm watching Blue Bloods. Did you ever watch that show? I love that show. And the, 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 the daughter, uh, she's a prosecutor. I don't remember her name on the show. She, she's walking and she's carrying this bag. And I looked at the bag and said, I wonder what brand that is. And I was like, ah. So I hurried up and put sports on. Oof. 
Now, I've told you I found out a whole new world is out there that like people can spend, and you don't have to tell me that you did. That's between you and the Lord. But you can buy these bags, and they're thousands of dollars. And that's fine. If you have thousands of dollars and you give to the work of the Lord, God bless you. If you have thousands to spend on a bag and don't give to the work of the Lord, I hope somebody steals it. Okay? And then you find it on eBay and you know it's yours, but there's nothing you can do about it. That's what I hope for you. But these thousands of dollars, and that's all fine if you have it, but here's how it works. I want that. I need that. And I deserve that. That's temptation. Now, Jesus wasn't tempted by Louis Vuitton. It's good, right? Kate Spade. Well, I lose the women when I talk sports, but they all come back when I talk bags. All right, let me get serious. I said I wasn't going to, but it, was, it, it just was there. So Jesus was tempted by the devil himself. When you're tempted in, in a serious way, Jesus understands. When the temptation is so great that it seems like you're not going to be able to help yourself, that might be true, but there is someone that can help you. And his name is Jesus because he understands completely. He was tempted after 40 days of fasting. And he was tempted in his entire being. He understands. Okay, let me keep going. He was, uh, have you ever been misunderstood that you were trying to do what's honorable and people interpreted it wrong and you were mis misunderstood? Jesus was misunderstood. Even his parents didn't fully understand what was going on. And he said to them, I must be about my father's business. At one point as he was going around excuse me, ministering, his family came to get him because they thought he was crazy. His own family. Jesus understands what it means to be misunderstood. Jesus, and this has helped me this week, uh, Jesus understands my grief because he experienced grief. His cousin, John the Baptist, died in a horrendous way through no fault of his own. And Jesus grieved over that, and he said, there's no one better than John. He cried at Lazarus' graveside when his friend died. And going through the, the processes of grief, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, I'll be open. You know, it's hard on my mom. And it's been a lot of ways just harder on me feeling for my mom uh, 91 years old and has lost two sons in nine months. When my brother Mark and I, some of you met him at Lindsay's wedding, we finally had a second when we were at my mom's. We hugged and we were like, we're the last two. And we grew up in church together. And I mean, it was always the Sabella boys, the Sabella boys, the Sabella boys. And then half of us aren't on earth anymore. It's weird. And I've been calling out to Jesus, and he has been ministering to me and ministering to my mom as well. And sometimes it's through others with flesh and blood, and sometimes it's just by his Holy Spirit that gives comfort and peace and grace in the midst of grief because Jesus understands grief. Jesus understands exhaustion. 
Look at this day in Matthew 12. He heals a demon-possessed man. Bad enough. Then he's attacked by the Pharisees for using Satan's power to, to, to cast out Satan. These guys were brilliant, right? Anyway, he was attacked by the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of Israel. Then he taught the multitudes, and there were so many that he wanted to hear what he had to say. He had to go in a boat. Remember that? He went out in a boat, and he, he taught them. And then they, he said, we're going to go to the other side, and they're on a boat, and he falls asleep because he was exhausted, and they wake him up from his nap. I've been woken up from naps before, and it's not good. It's not good. Uh, I don't want to get into naps. I got a whole sermon on that. But, you know, the, 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 the Adam took a nap and God said it was good. And anyway, okay. So he fell asleep on the boat because he was exhausted. And then he got up and calmed the storm. And then when he went to the other side, there were two demoniacs possessed by legion, which could be in the neighborhood of 5,000 demons. That's a long day. When you feel exhausted and overwhelmed... Jesus even understands that. Not because he is king of kings and lord of lords. Not because he's not like us, but because he became like us. He willingly chose to experience the things of humanity so that he could ultimately be our high priest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I have someone that understands. Listen, we're all old enough. You've been through stuff that no one on earth understands. They love you and they're caring. It's not that. It's not that they don't want to understand. It's just we've been through some stuff that, that no one else can, can fully understand. I want to point you to someone who fully understands whatever it is you faced in your life. And his name is Jesus. You ever had someone lie about you? They did that with Jesus often. You ever had anyone tell false stories about you? Jesus had that often. Here's a tough word, a word that we hate, and that's rejected. Isn't that a that? That's why sometimes we don't want to share, uh, share the gospel with people because we're afraid of being what? Rejected, because it's a horrible thing. And if you've experienced rejection, you know how terrible it is. You talk about, I joke, you know, because I'm not real sensitive. And I joke about getting my feeling hurt. Because it didn't hurt bad enough to hurt my feelings. That's the joke behind it. But when you've been rejected, that hurts. Especially when you're only trying to do something good. If you've experienced that, you have someone that understands in fact, it even says from the Old Testament, Jesus was the stone, the builders, what? And here's what they did. They went through and they looked and they examined, okay, and they completely rejected him. That's rejection. It's not being ignored. It's the opposite of being ignored. It wasn't that he was ignored. They examined him and then rejected him. He was a victim of attempted murder. And I had never thought of this before. And I hope none of you have ever been in that situation. But remember he was teaching and he was saying things they didn't like. And they brought him to the edge of the cliff. And they were going to push him over the cliff. The worst of human experiences, Jesus has been there. He was called terrible names. 
from Beelzebub to, remember this, they would say, isn't he Mary's son? And you know what that means? It means he doesn't have a father, therefore he is a, and it's a word we wouldn't use in church. So he's been called those names. He's been called those names. Have you been called terrible names? Jesus understands. Have you been overwhelmed? I have been. I almost hit that this week. Don't pity me or don't worry about me. I'm fine. But with everything that's been going on the past few weeks, it's, you know, I'm human too. And again, you don't have to worry about me. Nothing terrible is happening. I'm not, you know, going anywhere or leaving. Uh, I'll be here next week, whether you want it or not. I just keep showing up. But I know what it's like to be overwhelmed, and so do you. So do you know what it's like that if, here's the statement, if one more thing happens, right? And you know it doesn't hit one at a time, oh, we get through this, and we get through this, and we get, nope, it all hits at once. Jesus knows what it's like to be overwhelmed. He said this, God, my Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, then take this cup from me. This is no joking. Jesus knows what it's like to be abused. That's another horrible word in our language. My heart breaks as I hear of horrific stories. And no one else can understand, but I want to point you to Jesus that was also abused through no fault of his own. I won't go through the whole crucifixion scene, but you understand what he went through before he even got to the cross. Jesus understands. That's why he became like us. Jesus was betrayed. That can only happen from a friend. Jesus was denied by an even closer friend. One of the core three. Here's another terrible word. These are all bad. Abandoned. Abandoned is different than lost. Lost is an accident. Abandoned is a choice. You don't have to tell me. You can tell Jesus. If you've been abandoned, Jesus understands. He understands. He was on the cross, and here, here it is. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what that word literally means is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you willingly looked at my situation and given up on me? Why have you willingly looked at my situation and turned your back on me? Jesus never sinned in himself, but he became sin for us. He took all of our sins on himself. Imagine, had never sinned. Even one of our sins would have been too much. Even that we can endure today. Even for those that don't know the Lord. It's still by his grace that that one sin, that multitude of sins in their life, they didn't die instantaneously. According to Ezekiel 18. 
But Jesus took that sin. And so sometimes when we feel the impact of sin in our own lives, I want to point you to someone that understands better than anyone else because he took the sins of the whole world upon himself. If you've felt shame for what you've done, and that shame follows you around, Jesus understands because not only did he take our sin, he took our shame. If you have shame in your life because of something someone else has done to you, Jesus understands. And I keep saying this because I want you to grasp it. Your help is not in another human. Your help is in the unshakable hope of this promise that God gets you. And he loves you. And he loves you so much that he became like us. And here's how he continues to love us. This is the point three. Jesus welcomes me into his presence. So John 3.15 is our theme verse. Look at John, or not John, Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15 is our theme verse. Look at the very next verse. I don't have it up there, but it's Hebrews 4.16. You've heard it. Because all of that is true and everything I've said to this point, let us then approach God's throne. Because he's our high priest, because he understands what we go through, because he understands the trials, tribulations, pains, temptations, sorrows, sin, shames, uh, 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 tears, grief, abandonment. Because he understands all of that, let us approach God's throne. He doesn't, we don't come into his presence and he doesn't say, What? He says, Welcome. Now, who's he welcome into his presence? You. Can I put it like this? I don't fully believe it. Because if I fully believed it, I would enter into his presence more. I mentally believe it. But I don't always practically carry it out. Carry it out. Because if I believed it, I would run to Jesus more than I would run to anybody else. And again, don't get me wrong, sometimes he responds by sending people with flesh and blood. But you've got to get to Jesus. And this Jesus that gets you, he still welcomes you. Grace. Look. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Who do we go to? We go to Jesus. With my brother and everything going on, we prayed. I'm be a little honest with you here. I wore a prayer thing. And I just would pray. And I prayed every way and every type and everything I've ever preached. And, and thousands upon thousands of people were praying all over the world because of his position. He was an overseer. Most of you know this within the Assemblies of God. He oversaw whole countries in Europe. Uh, whole countries in the Assemblies of God were taking days of prayer and fasting on behalf of my brother. He would receive calls from the 
superintendent of whole countries within the assemblies of God that he worked with, that we've set this aside. Croatia and Syria and these areas, the former Yugoslavia and Hungary and, and Czech Republic and Slovakia and, and Germany and, and all of these other countries in Europe would set aside whole days to pray for my brother that God would heal him. And it's hard. It's easy to say from the pulpit that God didn't take the tumor away, but God, now he's got eternal life. And I totally believe that, and we're not without hope. But when you're living it down here, it's hard. When your mother is asking, why am I still here at 91 years old? It's hard. And I've just been running to Jesus because where else am I going to go? Who else am I going to go to that's greater than Jesus? Why would I give up on Jesus because things have happened that I don't understand? I'm not. And not just because I'm a pastor, because many pastors fall away from God. And there are many, unfortunately, famous pastors that now they call it deconstructing their faith. Well, I'm not there. And I'm not going to do that because I have no one else to run to that fully understands. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. Don't give up on Jesus because there's no one else greater than Jesus that fully understands what you're going through. I was preparing this message. What else do I have here? I'm just going to skip to the end. I was finishing my sermon on Saturday morning, um, and I was listening to uh, YouTube, and I thought of a singer that I like named Tasha Cobbs. You ever heard of her? You need to listen to her. Pastor Rowe was in Delmont where they don't even hardly have internet down there. They barely got running water. Okay? They have to go to the creek and get a bucket. I texted her this, this song. I could hear her praising the Lord from Delmont. And I knew it wasn't the phone because they don't have phones that work down there. That's how great this was. I got to start picking on Mel a little bit more, don't you think? She's from the same, same family, Millville, you know. So I'm in my office uh, Saturday morning and I'm listening to Tasha Cobbs. And I just punched her name in because I wanted to he just hear her sing because I like her. And this is the song that came up. Now, I'm certainly not going to sing it. If you know who she is, no one should sing. Once you hear her, like probably no one should ever sing again but certainly not sing her songs. But let me close with this. This was the song that came up on YouTube as I was finishing the sermon. He knows my name. Oh, how he walks with me, and oh, how he talks with me, and oh, how he tells me that I am his own 
you know my name. And you comfort me. And oh, how you counsel me. It still amazes me that I'm your friend. Have you heard that today at all? There's a reason. We didn't work this out. So now I pour out my heart to you. Here in your presence, I'm made new. So now I, I pour out my heart to you. I give my heart, Lord, here in your presence, I'm made new. You know my name. And so I sing this before him and I say, you know my name, Lord. You, you know my name. Know how you, you walk with me and oh, how you talk with me and oh, how you tell me that I am your own. God, you know me. And so I trust you with my life and the lives of others. No fire can burn me. No battle can turn me. No mountain can stop me. Because you hold my hand. I'm walking in your victory because your power is within me. No giant can defeat me because you hold my hand. No fire can burn me. No battle can turn me. No mountain can stop me. No giant can defeat me because you hold my hand. I don't have to be afraid because you hold my hand. Oh, how you walk with me and oh, how you tell me that I am your own. God gets you. He's not like us. He became like us and he welcomes us. God gets you because he cares about you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.